0: This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is July twelfth, two thousand twenty one. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Luke Sylvia. Luke, what's up? How's it going, man? Not much. Just uh, glad we finally officially have a coach. Absolutely. We'll talk about that in just a second. And we are also joined by our producer slash content contributor, Kevin Tucker. Kevin, what's going on, man? How are you? Gentlemen, doing great. Folks at home, happy to hear from you, happy to see you. It's going to be a fun show tonight. So first, before we get started, I want to send our condolences to our uh, Orlando Magic UK friends and our our UK listeners. (laughs) England just lost in the the Euro Championship, the the final uh, tonight. To Italy in uh, in penalty ki- you know penalty kicks, which was was pretty rough. Um, I know Luke doesn't really care much about you know soccer or anything. I don't really watch He's soccer, but when it's like big international player like the World Cup stuff like that, I get I get pretty excited. So
1: I watched uh, the one hundred and twelfth minute to the hundred twentieth of extra time, and then Look I said, you. and then PKs happen, and I hate PK, so I boycotted them, and I went and got dinner.
0: You missed like you missed I the mean drama. I get it, but it's. It's like the most hate, exciting part of the I hate the whole PKs.
1: Game. The entire game is about teamwork and working together to get a goal and then all of a sudden these dudes are just scoring goals left and right to decide the game. I was I just don't get it. I'm not there for the PKs.
2: I don't. Unfortunately for England, they weren't scoring goals left yeah. and right there. They yeah. missed the last 3. In a row, well, wasn't they made, the, they made last the they
1: made the the two substitutions for offensive players, attackers yeah. in the last minute or two there to try to get them in there for the PKs and they both missed. Really
2: controversial, yeah. but yeah.
0: Pretty yeah. nice. Well, sorry, UK fans. Sorry we had to bring it up, but uh, again, our, our thoughts are with you guys. It's rough, and <laughs> hopefully you guys will be, be back in the next one. Uh, really quickly want to remind you guys about our draft party. So July 29th, uh, that is a Thursday. If you guys haven't done so already, the first thing you need to do is go to orlandomagic.com, get your free tickets to the draft party at Amway. But that night before the draft party, we're going to be at Harry Buffalo. Um, right there on Church Street from 5 o'clock to 645, and then we'll be leaving together, walking over to Amway. We'll all sit together at the Amway uh, and watch the draft, and hopefully uh, we'll talk. We're going to get into our mailbag here. We've got a lot of draft questions, but hopefully that's an exciting night for the Orlando Magic. Um, And Luke alluded to it, but the Magic have officially hired Jamal Mosley. We had our uh, emergency podcast a few nights ago. Woj you know, put all the information out. We felt like it was pretty safe to go ahead and talk about that. So uh, yeah, so we officially have a coach. Kevin, how are you feeling about it? We haven't really yeah, heard from I'm, you on it.
2: Man, I'm relieved, man. We've, we've talked about this for a while. It kind of dragged on forever and ever and ever and ever. So to finally have a, uh, a face at the head of, you know, the basketball side of things as far as on the court is really exciting. And uh, especially now coming up on the draft, you know, thinking about, uh, the style of coach we may or may not have had, you know, maybe potentially impacting who we might be picking here in the next few weeks. Um, so all that's super interesting, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to finally have a guy on board. If you haven't, if you haven't listened to it, definitely go back and listen to that podcast from uh, from last week talking about Jamal Mosley. But yeah, I'm excited.
0: How do you feel about Mosley in particular?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan, and it's it's hard not to uh, to be a fan when you listen to all the things that have been said over the last 48 hours or so all over Twitter. You know, uh, former players of his, former coaches, you know, fellow coaches, assistant coaches, and so forth. I haven't read one guy who worked with him in some capacity say anything negative or bad about him. You know, everyone's rooting for him. Even Luka Doncic, I mean, you know, that, that's a pretty cool, cool thing to see right there, him saying, you know, he's really happy for him and stuff. So uh, it's hard not to feel excited. Obviously, he's unproven, never, you know, been a head coach before, but uh, I think he's going to be a great fit for, for what we need in this next stage of Magic Basketball
0: absolutely so like we talked about we're going to get into our mailbag episode in just a bit the orlando magic news has kind of slowed down over the last couple of weeks since you know now the the head coach um announcement has been made official and it sounds like tomorrow monday we're recording this sunday night but um tomorrow on monday they're going to have a zoom um you know kind of press conference you know with jeff weltman and jamal mosley to make the announcement official so be on the lookout for that i'm sure we're all excited to, to hear from that but uh Right now, um, the Suns and the Bucks are in Milwaukee in the middle of the NBA Finals Game 3. Luke, you got a score update for us? What's going on there? I can find it here real
1: quick while we're uh, looking. Yeah, Kevin was saying how weird it feels that there's actually a a Finals game in Milwaukee. Um, So so it it is very odd, actually, to think about when when, you you really think about that. But also, uh, score update, just for our sake, because by the time this airs, everybody's going to know. But it's uh, Suns up 6 in the second quarter. Um, right at the start of the second quarter, so it's early. They're up six, but seems like it's uh, Ayton's game right now playing through him. And it seems like Giannis is not having a great start, which is not great considering his whole team doesn't really know what a basketball is.
2: <laughs> yeah, especially them having this is their first home game. You know, you'd like to see the home team get off to a good start behind their home fans. And so to have you, them down yeah. early already, that's. You'd like that's to not true. go down 3 0 in the series.
0: Is that yeah, what you're saying? that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I know you both uh you both picked the, the Suns to win in what five or, or six? Yeah, I picked yeah, five, five. I think Luke did too. Yeah. Now was that because you weren't sure about the health of Giannis or even going in with a healthy Giannis, were you guys still picking the Suns in five? I, I healthy or not, I
1: think I'm going I was going with the Suns. Um, I've already said I don't really like the Bucks and a lot of that isn't necessarily it's not necessarily like, you know, personalities, whatever. Um, I just I just don't know if Giannis can get it done unless he has a superstar cast around him. You get down to the final minutes of the game and you just basically fill the paint and dare him to shoot. If you draw, if he draws a foul, who cares? Cause he's going to take over 10 seconds and miss the free throws. Anyway, uh, Chris Middleton right now. I mean, like he was the saving grace, right? Like closing seconds of, of a game recently, game recently Middleton took over and, so for me it was that the, the Suns are just also like not even really to discredit the bucks as much as i just did but to really credit the Suns because of i mean i didn't think the Suns were gonna get past the first round so regardless of the injury situation with the clippers and you know it, it was lebron healthy and like all these questions it doesn't matter like the, the the gauntlet they went through the west is tougher than the bucks to me um the bucks did them a favor by beating brooklyn I would have much rather seen a Brooklyn-Phoenix matchup, but that would have been, meant the possibility of, uh, you know, Brooklyn winning a championship, and I really didn't want that to happen. So would have been more entertaining than this. You know, I might be wishing that it was Brooklyn just for the entertainment factor if, like, the Suns sweep the series. Um, but, I mean, I, I think that the way it goes is Phoenix wins tonight, they lose the next game and what feels like a meaningless game, and then they just close out the series at home. Um, so that's what I think. So, that's why I think Suns yeah, 5
2: for sure. Yeah, I just – I was, I was picking Suns and five no matter what. I just feel like it's written in the stars. Chris Paul, mm. you know, going to hoist Larry O'Brien. I just, I don't know. I feel like they're the team of, I hate that term, but team of destiny. Like, I just feel like they're on a roll, and there's no stopping them right now. So, I, I, yeah, I think they're in good shape.
0: Well, so because what we saw out of Chris Middleton in the Brooklyn series and in the Atlanta series late in that series, you know, Giannis is hurting, you know, Middleton took over at times in that series. I thought we were going to get a lot more out of Chris Middleton than what we've gotten in this round, which is funny because in the first round, you know, I, I tweeted out that, you know, I just don't see the Bucks winning a championship unless they have a, a true closer for, you know, Giannis to, to play with because, like Luke said, last couple of minutes you just packed the paint and you say, okay, Giannis, like, what are you going to do here? If you're going to drive to the rim, we're going to put you on the free throw line and we all know how that typically ends up. So I picked the, bu- the Bucks in seven. I, th- I thought, you know, with – with the guys who you know we we call superstars at some point like they they just break through and they end up winning a championship but I thought this was going to be the year for Giannis if Giannis played because he had the hyper extension and you know the Atlanta series and then it was okay Giannis is done he's probably tore his ACL and then they're like oh he might play you know in game six or he might play you know if there's a game seven it's like okay so is he actually going to be able to play and if he's healthy enough and the first couple of games of this series, he's definitely looked healthy enough. He's been carrying the Bucks, keeping these games close. But Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, like people want to crap on, you know, Mike Budenholzer as much as they want, and you know, a lot of that is warranted. But your players have to play well, and Chris Middleton and, and Drew Holiday especially haven't been. So, yeah, right now I'm going Suns. I'm going Suns and five. It's not, it's not looking great for the Bucks. So I'll, I'll take the L on that. Happy for Devin Booker and Chris Paul. When that comes This could happen, age but...
1: poorly, by the way. Th- th- this game's not over yet. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true. Yeah, it just hey. takes them waking up a little bit. They're only up six, so.
0: Well, look. If the Bucks end up winning in seven, I'll be like, look, I told you guys. Oh, Bucks you are, are up series. one.
1: Bucks are up one right now. So. Well, that that, that
0: escalated quickly because they were. that changing his pick back. Yeah, I'm, I'm changing it <laughs> back. Bucks <and> in seven. Bucks in <laughs> <and> seven. <Bucks laughs> seven. No. So, anyways, guys, um, the first episode that we had Kevin on, you know, uh, about a month and a half ago, I think it was. Um, was right after Steve Clifford uh, had mutually parted ways with the magic and just about I don't know a week or so before that Kevin had joined the team Kevin reached out to us and um, you know was fans of what we were doing and you know just kind of offered his services in any way that he can help. So he's kind of taken over as like the producer role of the podcast. He's putting together our YouTube videos. He's putting out awesome, you know, memes and everything like that. So he's just been doing a phenomenal job. But, um, you know, Luke and I, you know, we, we realized that we hadn't really had a, a real chance to bring Kevin on and kind of get some of his backstory. And the way that the three of us are all kind of connected is it, pretty crazy. So uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But, Kevin, for, for the listeners who, you know, don't know much about you or might be hearing from you for the first time, like just give them a little bit about your backstory and, you know, your magic fandom and everything like that.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. So, uh my Magic fandom dates back actually uh right back here to 1999. Uh so 99, my family moved to Central Florida. I was 7 years old, and uh, my dad was a big basketball fan, and so we had never lived in an NBA town before. And so naturally we went to uh, started going to some Magic games, and I just got instantly hooked. Um it was really cool. My uh the very first game I went to that, you know, that season was right after uh, the San Antonio Spurs had won their first championship, and that was the first game I went to. I saw San Antonio Spurs in Orlando, you know, defending champions with David Robinson and Tim Duncan and Mario Elli and all those guys, and of course Greg Popovich. And so to be in the building for that, it was just an electric atmosphere, and I was hooked, you know, at age seven and uh, kind of hung around with the magic. You know, at seven, you don't really know a whole lot, but uh, starting in 2004 was really when I really got, I mean, just totally all in. That was obviously the year that we drafted Dwight that offseason, you know, we traded. Tracy McGrady got Steve Francis on and on and on and so but from then on man I've I have bled blue all the way through um I think I said it in the first time I was on but that's my claim to fame is I haven't missed a game since 2004 which is true it's very sad very <laughs> true I've seen them all um, everyone that was televised at least there's been a few that weren't on tv you know back in the 2000s but I still remember I used to take my VHS tape and I'd record the games on my VCR that I couldn't see live and then I'd go back and play them back later and so total nerd uh, but yeah I, I love this team I love this the franchise and uh, uh, but yeah you know carrying on through the years I've lived kind of a lot of different places I don't live in Central Florida anymore I live up in Georgia but I come down uh, for every once in a while for any bigger thing so I'll be at the draft party in a, in a couple weeks you know that'll be fun but uh, but yeah I mean I've been been along the journey the ups and downs ever since but uh, I think our future is pretty bright and I'm excited for it
0: yeah some of you guys might have met Kevin Kevin was actually at the lottery watch party that we had a few weeks ago. So it was awesome getting to meet him in person. And to get even more nerdy with your, your VCR story, that's how I used to watch Dragon Ball Z back in the day. That was the only way I could watch <laughs> Dragon Ball Z was to tape it on my VCR and then watch it the next day. So yep. I, I can definitely appreciate that. But, yeah, every game since 2004, that, you've, seen, you've seen some things. Ah, too you, much. You've seen that. Some things, it's, so. it's
2: like a it's like a runaway freight train at this
0: point. You know, I've gone this far. I, my eyes, I just can't take my eyes off it now. I just got to going. <laughs> so it's whatever. So a really crazy story, kind of the way that we're all you know sort of connected. So you guys back in Kevin, what was it, 2015 or 2016? Kevin, it's 2015, used to yep. co-host uh, Orlando, one of the OG Orlando Magic podcasts, Men in Blue, which back in the day, right. I mean, especially around that time. It was rough times for Orlando Magic fans. And most of the content that was out was really, you know, Orlando Magic Daily, you know, that podcast at the time, which is now Locked On Magic. And then for me, it was that and, and Men in Blue. And I, I remember listening to that. And then not too long after Luke joined the show, him and I were talking one day. And Luke lives in Omaha, Nebraska, for those of you that don't know. And Luke's like, yeah, I, I met I th- one of my friends used to uh, or he knows somebody that used to Host another Orlando Magic podcast, the the Men in Blue podcast, and I freaked out. I was like, "How the heck are you in <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska, and you met somebody that knows, you know, somebody that used to, you know, host that podcast?" So, Luke, I'll I'll kind of let you and Kevin tell the tell the rest of that story there. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, yeah, that's exactly what happened. I, you know, told him that I
1: was, uh, you know, had just started. I think it was right I had just started, maybe or something like that. Just started, you know co-hosting you know the six-man show and he's like oh sweet uh, he just kicked nonchalantly he was like i have a, a friend who's a magic fan he actually had a podcast back like a few years ago and i was like wait what what so i got the name of the podcast i sent it to jonathan He was like dude i used to listen to that and uh so that was crazy in its own cell like in its own right um but then the crazier part is just like how kevin knows him his name's Nathan. He'll never listen to this episode, so it doesn't matter. No. He's not a sports fan. He hates so sports. His name is Nathan, and uh, ironically, a guy who hates sports, you know, has a connection with two guys that enjoy sports, so, you know, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, Kevin, I'll let you kind of tell the the story real quick here about, you know, where you knew Nathan from and all that,
2: too. Yeah, it's it's just weird. See, so, yeah, I went to college with Nathan in Tennessee. And so, like he and I were going to be roommates, and then he went to Australia and blah blah blah. Anyway, are you from so, Tennessee? <laughs> no, I, I mean I'm from Orlando. Why not from? I was born in Virginia, but then I grew up in in, in Central Florida. Wasn't but, Nathan
1: uh, born in Virginia?
2: Uh, I think so. He's like know.
1: from it's Virginia. Very strange. Yeah, He's his from parents Virginia, are there. And they both went to a school in Tennessee and met. It's,
2: dude, it's weird. But the and fact that, the that this only guy, connection. this guy Nathan, lives in Omaha, Nebraska, hates sports. <laughs> I mean, hates sports. Yeah. And happens to know one guy who's a diehard Magic fan yeah. who used to host a podcast and another guy who's a diehard Magic fan who currently hosts. It's just the smallest world. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. But anyway, long story short, you know, got connected with Luke. Actually, Luke and I played some Xbox together a few sure. months ago, you know, playing with Nathan. Sure. And then long story short, i, I was like, well, I, I've met this guy, Luke. Haven't really met Jonathan, but I've listened to the show. And so reached out, and uh, uh, it's been a pretty good fit so far, and we're having a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah
1: yeah it was kind of crazy to do all to have all that connection and then go a step further to the fact that you're now um you know contributing pr- really heavily to the podcast um and like you said been a, a good fit so far it's been pretty awesome so yep that's the crazy. uh the the, the the crazy story behind kevin tucker
0: joining the six-man show <laughs> pretty crazy small world all right guys let's take a quick break all right guys summer is coming are you ready to unveil your beach bod you're in luck Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your dad bod or six pack with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 6th at manscaped.com. That's code 6th, S-I-X-T-H at manscaped.com.
1: And it's time to bundle up with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the new Performance Package 4.0 includes a new Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is insane, and dare I say, the GOAT of ball trimmers? Yeah, I said it. Did I mention the trimmer is waterproof too? In the shower or in the wild, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you.
0: Manscaped is even throwing in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 6. 6- At manscaped.com, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code 6TH, S-I-X-T-H, at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer. Shine with Manscaped. right, guys, we're back. We're going to get into the mailbag here. So we wanted to get your guys' questions. A lot of you guys sent us some great questions. We're going to dive right into those, try to group those together the best that we could. But uh, this might be a little bit all over the place, but we're going to get right into this. So... First up, Carson Tulo wants to know, do you guys think RJ's, in air quotes, growth spurt, will affect the front office's approach to the draft? So for those of you that don't know, RJ posted the other day to his Instagram story that apparently he is now 6'7". So uh, listed last year at 6'4". Some people think he might have been 6'5 or 6'6". But end of the day, if RJ is 6'7 now, Uh, Luke, I'll ask you first. Do you think that's going to approach the front office's approach to the draft? Probably not.
1: I mean, essentially, RJ's a guard, right? We're very guard heavy. If he slides over to the three spot, I still think they're still going to be, you know, I I just don't see them looking for a guard regardless. Also, we're talking like gross spurt that obviously RJ feels it gives him an advantage and allows, allows him to play positionless basketball. For all those factors and for all of that it's a great thing that he's had this growth spurt um regardless of how small or insignificant it feels to a lot of people so um yeah i, I don't i don't know that it really impacts the way that the magic are going to draft i don't i don't see how that w- I, don't, I just don't think that that's going to be the case at all um kevin what do you think
2: yeah yeah i'm with you on that i think uh you know, something like this, in my mind, doesn't really change who RJ Hampton is as far as a player. Like, yeah, if he if he is taller, that's great, you know, especially on the defensive end. You know, but as far as his mindset and his style of play, I'm not really sure that this changes much of anything. So I feel like the front office knows what they have in RJ and what RJ potentially can be. But I, yeah, I don't know if that really affects, you know, where, where they're going with the draft. Jonathan, what do you think?
0: Yeah, as far as I mean, if it tr- truly is like a six-seven, like then we're getting into like the Penny Hardaway range, right. of, like extremely big guards, which would be awesome. But people talking about him, you know, perhaps sliding down to the three. RJ is still a very slender guy. I'm not going to see him guarding LeBron or Kawhi or Giannis or any of those guys. So I really don't think it changes too much for the Magic. Definitely raises RJ's ceiling a bit if he yeah. is going to be that big. But no, I, I don't see him. Slide into the, to the two or the three, uh, Omar OMD. I think he is referring to the trading up in the draft, um, in terms of trading with the Cavs. But would you take on Kevin's love contract um, again? I, I think he's talking about in terms of trying to trade up, you know, to the three spot in the draft. What about you, Kevin?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, is you know, depending on what you know what the return is on that. Yeah, if you are talking just trading for Kevin Love in general, no, I don't want Kevin Love. But if we're talking about like you said, moving up in the draft. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's definitely something I'm willing to take on. You know, I think Kevin Love's got two years left on his contract, and so, um, you know, I think that's something you know kind of that works with our timeline. You know, uh, you know, I don't I don't see us necessarily competing for a title in the next two years, and so if we need to take on a heavier contract like that, you know, take that on our books in order to get a potentially better player in the draft, I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, I Luke? I think that, um, I mean, I, Jonathan and I talked about it, you know, back a couple what was it a few a couple months ago or something um or a couple weeks maybe but jonathan had brought up you know trade ideas and things like that and kevin love was included in one of them to trade up yeah i mean if if kevin love is what it takes to get the deal done if the Cavs are like you know you're not gonna we're not giving doing this trade at all unless you just eat kevin love's contract i'm
0: definitely doing that there's there's really no question I I'd, I'd eat that contract for sure yeah, for me, it just it depends on what you're also having to attach to that deal because right. I'm guessing it's some type of mix of five and or eight plus a young guy, and then you're getting three and taking Kevin Love back. Like It just depends on the context of that deal, I guess. But if we're talking about trading up, especially for a guy like Jalen Green, you've got to take Kevin Love back and the rest of the deal makes sense, then go for it. Uh, next up, Davis Falk. He wants to know, would you trade J.I. five and eight and a future first for Damian Lillard. I'm gonna let one of you guys take this. I love Dame, but that's to me that's steep. Here's, no, here's,
2: yeah. Here's the number for me. <laughs> the number is Dame is thirty. That's yeah. the number that sticks out to me. If we're talking four years ago, I might consider it. You know, him being twenty-six, but he's thirty. You know, obviously he's still playing great, but that's steep for a thirty-year-old man.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't find that to be very desirable at all. Um, like you said, Kevin, you know, if he's younger, sure. But I mean, I mean, at this point, I I don't know. You're, he's going to be 34, making 48 million while also not fitting your timeline. So, I mean, that was the whole thing with Vooch, right? You you trade him away, you trade Evan away. And the biggest reason being they just don't fit the timeline. We got a bunch of young guys we're not trying to win right now, Right so there's no point in trading for for dame you know by the what he's he's 30 so by the time you know hope by the time he's 34 in the last year of his contract you're competing and then at that point let's say you don't win a championship you know with dame on the roster in his last year of his contract and you just lose him completely it's like what did we just what why were you taking up so much on the payroll for us to do all that it would be a heinous act for the magic to trade for damian lullard is what i'm saying
0: yeah, I think you know that might be the kind of offer that Portland would entertain. I think eventually they would probably get an offer that would kind of trump that just a little bit, just because there's still so many unknowns with Ji with you know, five and eight. You don't know who's going to be there. Um, the future first, you know, same thing. And then the thing when it comes to Dame is, by all accounts, if he's requesting a trade from Portland, it's to go somewhere else and win. You know, that seems to be his main issue in Portland is. They're not winning. They're not, you know, getting mm-hmm. to the finals or yeah, winning true. a championship or anything like that. So, if Dame is looking to be traded, I really don't think it's Orlando. Yeah, and I, I think Orlando. Dame
1: is one of those guys that is just—he, it's well known. He's one of the most loyal dudes in the league. Everybody says it, right? And so the fact that Dame is requesting a trade out of Portland because of whatever goes on behind the scenes, plus the fact that they're not winning, and they—they—they they, they just like have like reluctancy to to switch up his second option in cj mccollum and you know see if there's a better fit for for dame like regardless of how you know he calls the shots or anything like that yeah there's no way that that he would be willing to come to a team i mean who's to say he wouldn't be a requesting a trade from orlando within two years even a year so
2: right yeah and just right. one, my last thought on this is you know it's kind of what you talked about a little bit luke uh Lillard coming to Orlando, I think, does make Orlando a playoff team, especially in the East, but our goal is not to be a playoff team. Like, Lillard coming to Orlando does not make us a contender, not now or not by the end of his contract. It, it, I think it does make us a playoff team, but our goal is higher than that. You know, we think that with the current roster and some of the guys we're going to add over the course of the summer, you know,
0: hopefully we can reach that championship potential. So, Joshua R wants to know. Should the Magic do whatever it takes to move up in the draft or stand pat and keep the 5th and 8th picks? Luke. Um, I mean,
1: to an extent, yes. But you get me with the operative words, whatever it takes. I don't know what that means. I I don't know what that means. And I don't think that there's anybody that I would trade up for while giving away a ton of young players and picks because then it feels counterproductive. Like this whole retooling, rebuilding thing of the Magic are in right now with all the young guys. You're not going to trade up to one, right, unless you're giving like, unless you're giving up those those guys and maybe like a vet or two, like to get a Cade Cunningham. Um, Jalen Green will take less, like the two or three pick. However, you know it it just seems counterproductive to give up whatever it takes and basically unload your roster that you've worked hard to rebuild and you feel like you're on the right right path just to blow that up and take one guy who could be really good. I, I just think there's a lot of potential on the roster. I don't think I'm willing to do, quote-unquote, whatever it takes.
2: Yeah, I think uh, it really comes down to what our front office, how they view our current players, right? Do they view that any of our current players have the potential that is equal to or greater than some of the guys you mentioned, Cade Cunningham, mm-hmm. Jalen Green, Mowley. Evan Mobley, whoever yeah. it might be, right? Um, you know, he, some of them might say, you know, Kate Cunningham has a higher ceiling than anyone on our roster. And so maybe they do consider dealing a handful, maybe not a full handful, but a few of our guys plus picks or whatever. So if you're asking me, yeah, I'm with you, whatever it takes, that's a really broad term and kind of scares the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but there are definitely some deals that I would do. Um, you know that involves some of our young guys. Involve right. our we have a lot of picks in the future to move up, and it also depends. And I, and it, one of the things I've been saying for a while is if if we are going to do a deal that moves up, we are not going to see it until draft night. If you ask me, like it just depends on how the chips fall, yeah. Who is drafted when and such? You know, for example, if a Jalen Green is still on the board at four, do the Magic move up to four? That kind of thing. Uh, I just it's hard for me to imagine a, a trade
0: happening anytime before July 29th. I'm right there with you in terms of do the magic do whatever it takes as good as some of these guys in this draft like the upper echelon of this draft are like Kay, Jalen, Evan we've talked we've mentioned these names five bazillion <laughs> times by now I still don't think any of those guys are on the level of like a LeBron James or you know a Kevin Durant or even you know maybe like a Luka Doncic I feel like these guys are franchise altering guys I don't know if any of them I would call like a generational talent at this point. Now, if this was a LeBron James draft and looking at the roster the Magic have, yes, you do whatever it takes to move up in the draft. I don't think this is that kind of draft as good as Cade and those other guys might be. So, no, I don't do whatever it takes. Um, I'm, I'm willing to do some things to, to get Jalen Green. I will say that, but I, I wouldn't say whatever it takes. So, uh, Christopher Johnson wants to know, guys, who are the best fits for Orlando at picks five and eight? Oof. Kevin. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a
2: very uh, – there's a lot of different ways that this can go. Um, and, obviously, this is a captain obvious statement. But, again, it depends on how things fall, you know. Obviously, if someone like Jalen Green, which some mocks have Jalen Green falling to five, Clowns. I don't think that's going to happen. All it's of them. not going to happen, guys. Clowns. But if it does, Jalen Green at five is just a shoe-in for the Magic, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a captain obvious statement. But – as far as some of the guys who are probably going to be around, how I envision this playing out, I envision the fifth pick being uh, guaranteed they're going to take best player available no matter who it is, and I think they're going to swing for the fences. I think they're going to go for someone with really high potential upside, um, which I guess you know a lot of these guys are. But, but versus where I think at eight, I think we might go with someone maybe a little more established, maybe someone who can do a little more contributing day one. That's how I picture it. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of these other guys, but yeah, I think at five they're they're looking at uh, the swing for the fences type guys like Scotty Barnes or uh, Kaminga. There, obviously, he's a whole <laughs> big name. <laughs> Homer. <laughs> uh, okay, whatever. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but then at eight is someone you know potentially more established like a Moses Moody. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how
0: how I'm feeling like those picks might might shake out. For those who aren't aware of the dynamic here on the podcast, I'm kind of <laughs> like the neutral party between Kevin and Luke. So Kevin's a big FSU guy. You guys know, you know Luke is a UF alum. So I'm, I kind of I try to be the the peacekeeper yes. between these guys at, at times. That was the the Homer joke <laughs> when you mentioned Scotty Barnes, and we'll talk more about Scotty Barnes in a bit. But uh, Luke best fits at five and eight.
1: Kuminga Moses Moody. That's it. Ooh, that's we're it. Going straight boom, okay. yeah, and tweet. It, it. That's it. Like kuminga is is the young guy you're talking about right one of them him and barnes but for me it's kuminga um you know you you swing for the fence with him you know that it's going to take a few years we just talked about dame not fitting the timeline kuminga is the exact opposite of that he is a guy who fits the timeline because the magic aren't ready when now they're ready to develop by the way they just brought in jamal mosley to be head coach who is king of what seems to be developing um and at least contributing with that development so they brought him in for that the the quotes have been you know he's great with development and yada yada he, he's perfect Kuminga's perfect you also need to you, you can't have too many too many cooks in the kitchen for lack of better term really because you have so many young guys that you want to develop so like you know kevin also said eighth pick i'm glad we're on the same page as well so like the eighth pick is going to be that more established guy who can come in day one. His ceiling may not be as high, but his floor is is up there, and he's going to contribute in this league for a long time, specifically because of the tools he already possesses. There's not a lot of ifs with his game, um, and that is Moses Moody for me. Um, So I I think that would be great because you don't want to have two super raw top 10 picks on your team when you've already got projects on the roster that go longer than any list of veterans the Magic have had recently. Like there's a ton of projects on this team. So you swing for the fences with a raw prospect at five, and then you just get the safe guy who's going to contribute on this team three years, four years down the road. You look to, you know, give him an extension, keep him around for a long time because he is going to become that glue veteran in the long run.
0: And that's Moses Moody. Yeah, for me, I'm coming at five. Like if we're at five and and Kaminga is there, I'm definitely that's that's my pick. Uh, I'm not really thinking too much about it. And then at eight, I'm still really split. You know, we've been talking the last couple of weeks. Obviously, I've been a big fan of Moses Moody for, you know, what seems like a couple of months now. And then, you know, book night. Some people are really high on book night. Some people are low on book night. A lot of people are kind of right in the middle, which is where I think I am. That's like a swing for the fence. But I'm also, I mean, we've talked about Alprin Shangun mm. on this podcast a little bit and in our group chat. Kevin shaking his head. Nah. So I've been asking Kevin to watch the film on Shangun. I watched. You watch you're
2: not feeling it, nah, bro. I I feel like I've seen this tape before. We've seen guys in Europe. I'm not saying he's not gonna be good. I think he's gonna be good. You seen is he Above those guys? No, he's not Luka Doncic. He's not Doncic. Absolutely. No, you know I'm just saying. I have, you, have you have You said you've seen a lot of guys overseas. Saying, right. seen Luca? I'm saying his, I'm saying his film that we've seen, that mm-hmm. we, we saw, that I looked at this weekend, I'm like, I've seen this story before. I've seen it play out with other guys. And, again, I'm not saying – I think he will be a good NBA player. But is he, is he someone I want to take at eight? No. I don't want to take him at eight now. Now, if we trade back, which, by the way, I think that – I don't know. I think it could be possible that we trade back from eight. I don't want to dismiss that completely for some of the reasons we just mentioned. But, uh, yeah, I don't want
0: to take him at eight. No way. So I don't think I would if I'm Jeff and I'm sitting there on the phone calling in the pick <laughs> at eight. I don't think I would have the stones to pick Shengoon. Nah. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm I'm man enough to do that. But if the Magic do that, I'll be like I'll just be sitting in the corner like rub my hands together, you know, kind of <laughs> excited about that. But for me, it's it's Kaminga and Moody at, at five and eight. So, uh, and then Peter fifty nine Pickler wants to know if the Magic keep five and eight, yeah. what do you think the rotation will be next season, Luke? uh rotation. <laughs> so the rotation next year for me year, it just like there's there's so many questions with this cuz it just depends on who they take. Right. Yeah. I mean, so you're what? you your eventual roster, like fully
1: healthy. I'm not going to say start of the season cuz then I'm omitting Markel, who is inevitably going to kick somebody out of the rotation, right? So But not until like January, you know. Right. But, 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 you know, that's the, the one that I essentially am comfortable giving, I guess. Because at that point, I would, you know, it'd be safe to assume that, you know, some guys are just in the rotation. So, um, I really don't know. To be honest, that's my answer. I mean, you, you have Mar- Markel at the one. Do you bring in Cole at the two and let him play? We saw they can coexist. Are they starting, you know, or when, when Markel is back, is that what, what happens? And then do the I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean you, you, you have Chuma and J.I. and then you you have Wendell Carter. And I that mm-hmm. that's some some type of mix of your
2: starting five at least. Right. And the other biggest you know, there's a lot of different things here. The biggest one to me is we've never seen Jamal Mosley coach. We don't know what, what kind right. of team he likes to put out there. We don't like to know the the, the certain types of players he really relies on. Does he rely on veterans? Does he rely on young guys? Does he rely on guys with length? Does he rely on shooters? You know, I mean, there's just so many question marks, and we don't have any, you know, any past history we can go back and look at of Jamal Mosley coach teams, you know, to go back for reference. There's a lot of question marks, and I, I hate that we feel like we're kind of skirting around this question, but I don't feel like we have enough information to give, you know, a full, complete answer, at least I don't.
0: I like the point that you made about the fact that, you know, we don't know really too much about Mosley because my whole thinking behind this was, okay, if Clifford was here, right. I have a pretty good feeling on the way that this would play For out. Sure. With that being said, even though we don't know that much about Mosley and what he likes to run, all of the moves this front office has made the last four months, the higher all of the mentions around Jamal Mosley and player development, that tells me we're going to see a lot of young guys next season. For so. Sure start of the season, I think it's gonna be probably something like Cole and R J, they might start this the season together, you know, at the the one and the two and just kind of be interchangeable. And then Chuma, J.I., Wendell Carter, I think those guys are gonna be your three, four and five from day one no matter what happens. And then when Markel comes back, I think he slides right back into the starting point guard role. And then I don't know. If if Cole takes a leap and is the better player, I really don't know. Like There's so many questions, like you said. I'm excited to see what's going to happen with RJ and Cole going into the next season because I don't know who's going to be better. At the end of the season, I thought it was Cole, but now just things that I've seen out of RJ. and We've had different interviews and just heard other people talk about him, and now I'm really high on RJ Hampton as well. So I really don't know, but like you said, we don't have a great answer. Well, I'm sorry, Peter, fifty nine. Well, pitch. and we we pretty much <laughs> great talk, name
1: though. Yeah, great name. So we just touched on basically the starting five, right? If we're really talking about rotation, that's where this gets so freaking tricky, Jonathan. A while ago, we did an episode where we went through, okay, who's staying, who's leaving, and who do we have question marks about? You know what's going to happen? I'm going to just list real quick. And because when it comes to rotation ideally in the nba you have a rotation of eight to ten guys and and some coaches maybe just nine so basically right now you've got uh gary harris markel fultz j.i mo wendell carter cole chuma mcw rj hampton i'm not done and that's nine Uh, Dwayne Bacon your first pick your second pick probably I I honestly am kind of hopeful for Mo Wagner Um, and then maybe like two free agents um, one free agent if Ennis is back so dude who is in the rotation because like I mean that we already we we were going to have a hard time with the rotation even if Steve Clifford was still the head coach but like Kevin already said
0: you bring in Jamal Mosley who knows what the what the rotation is going to be yeah. And to be totally honest, I somehow completely forgot about Gary Gary Harris Harris. Yeah, so that's right. I don't Gary Harris probably starts to start the season. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. This I'll, all comes that we don't have enough information to answer this no, question yet. I, I will say We're not gonna know for a while. Is,
2: this is my opportunity to make a prediction. I do think that Gary, Gary Harris, Harris uh, I d I don't think he's gonna be on the roster at the end of the season. You know, he's mm-hmm. expiring. I have a feeling he's gonna be dealt before the before the deadline. Uh, I think that the writing's on the wall for that. But the biggest reason being is because of the things we just mentioned, you know, he occupies a position where we're gonna have a lot of other guys who need more playing time to develop and especially if we end up drafting, you know, a guy who kind of fills that position with the eight or even with the fifth, but with the eight pick, you know, someone like Moses Moody or Book Knight. You know, that's just that's just an obvious obvious sign to me that Garrett Harris is gonna go on his way out the door, especially because he's an expiring contract, you know, at the end of, end of next season.
0: Does uh, All right, we've got a question about another young guy here from Lil30. So talking about Mo Bamba, uh, being as how, you know, he's coming up on his contract here. Do you trade or pay Mo Bamba, Luke? And if you're paying Mo Bamba, how much are you willing to pay? Oh, boy, I am so glad oh no. that I get to start this question out, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I just
1: listed that whole, you know, all those guys, right? There seems like there needs to be a little room made on this roster, Jonathan. I think draft night. You deal Mo Bamba. You you I'm include deal Mo. You include the mysterious Mo Bamba who nobody has a clue about. You find one of those teams up there that might be a little high on Mo's development, willing to develop him, and you get rid of Mo Bamba. I I don't I don't care who you bring in for that center position. I don't care what it looks like. There are far too many people, and unfortunately, unless Joel Mosley is in love with Mo Bamba, which he could be, he could come in and say, you know, I've seen the film, I've talked to these guys, Mo, you're starting over Wendell Carter. And, you know, front office, do with Wendell Carter, whatever you want to do. I hope that's not what they do. But I think Mo Bamba just, I think he needs another start. His his fresh start here, he's going to get a fresh start one of two ways this year. He's going to get a fresh start with either A, Jamal Mosley, or a fresh start with B, a new team. I think you. I think one way you can definitely go is kind of get rid of Mo in a trade that just matches contracts and is just in there to fill it. And with people that aren't turned away by the idea of Mo and who think you know he's injury riddled, hasn't been given a fair shot,
2: and you get a trade done that way, you get rid of Mo. So let me just to make sure I understand. You're saying you're not just saying I will include Mo on a draft night deal to move up in the draft. You're saying, period, I would trade Mo. Before the season, period. No matter what, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a strong take, Luke. That is. I'm not totally against it. My my biggest thing is, I and I know this isn't important. Like we, we got to be thinking about basketball first, but I think about the locker room and I think about Mo Bama and Cole Anthony being super tight. I know that would that'll be a, probably a hard thing for Cole to deal with, but I know you know it's a business. This is these welcome to the le- welcome to the league, young man. That's right. The associates coming coming uh, <laughs> That's right. You're right about that. But as far as the question, I'm I'm not in the pay bomba camp yet. Um, I'm not ready to deal him ASAP unless it was for actually you know moving up or some other player. I'm not I'm not on the I wouldn't say I'm as far as Luke is you know just I want to deal him now. I do think I'd love to see him under a new coach like we talked about with Mosley. I think Mosley can give him you know maybe a new shot. Uh, and also another thing we haven't even talked about is uh, the potential assistant coaches that might come in. You never know what a certain assistant coach. You know, might work really well with big men and be able to take his game to another level. So I'm not quite at the the trade one, uh, you know, the trade side of Mobamba, yeah. but I'm definitely not ready to pay I'm him yet.
1: I'm not, and, and to be clear, I'm not like hating on Mobamba by any means. Um, just to clarify for anybody that's listening and being like, "Wow, this is like a Luke hates Mobamba segment," because it's not. Um, I was with Jonathan all year this past season, saying, "Why is Cliff not giving Mo a shot? He needs to give Mo a shot." Then. Mr. Wendell Carter Jr. walked in the door and I said, I don't know. I don't know what I think about Mo anymore, right? I mean, Wendell's just more established and he's the guy that I've said far, far too many times probably is going to never, you know, wow you, but he's never going to upset you either. He's going to just stay in his lane, do the right thing. Uh, Moe is just another guy that needs developing, and he is another spot on the roster. There's so much space, and that's really where I'm coming from. He's the guy I'm willing to part with from that young core, no
0: doubt. So my thing with Mo is if you're going to move on from Mo, you need to have a backup plan as far as your backup center goes. Um, I don't know about you guys. Yes, I like what I saw out of Wendell, but I'm not totally sold that he is your center of the future for the next five, ten years. I'm not willing to say that either. I really do want to see Bamba with kind of a new lease on life. You know, by all accounts, everything that we saw, the way that Clifford would speak about Mo sometimes, just kind of the body language that Mo would have on the bench when he wasn't playing. I don't think they probably had the best relationship. Maybe it wasn't completely toxic, but I definitely don't think Mo was sad to see Clifford go. I'll put it that way. So I am excited to see if Mo has a, you know, reinvigoration this season. And maybe Mosley or an assistant coach that he brings on is able to bring Mo along. Um, In terms of paying Mo, definitely not ready to pay Mo. Maybe if he has a good season, maybe you give him like a one or a two year, like prove it deal. And then if you play really well, you know, we'll reward you with an extension after that point. But um, I'm not willing to trade Mo, but this brings us to our next question from Brave Don't Lose. And I think We've talked about this a little bit now, so I think I could probably have a good idea, at least of how <laughs> Luke feels, but who's more likely to be traded, Bamba or Wendell? I think we can save us some time here. We'd probably all say that Bamba is more likely to be traded. Yes, I agree. Right. Yep. Luke, do right. you agree? So we're going to move on. <laughs> Thank you for the question, uh, Brave Don't Lose, but we kind of just fleshed that out in, in the previous question there. Um, and then Ron Lux wants to know, can Kaminga and Night? Uh, play similarly to what Kuminga and Jalen Green were for G League Ignite this season, Luke. Um,
1: I so I saw this question and I would, I don't know, I I, I mean, truthfully, you you look at it, you try to compare because at this point, right? You, you Kuminga is the, the common denominator here. You look at Booknight and Green. To me, obviously, Green is better, but they are both athletes. Um, one shoots the ball better than the other being Jalen Green more shoots it better than book Knight. There's a lot of talk about, you know, book Knight's bad season of shooting, being a fluke, having to be the guy, maybe in the NBA, kind of, if he finds his spots, he gets better shots and, you know, doesn't have so much pressure. So, but I, I just don't, I don't really think, I, I, I don't know. I don't really think that they can be exactly what green and Kamingo were, with the Ignite. I just don't see it because it, Kuminga has to be Kuminga and Book Booknight has to be Jalen Green and
2: one of those is not like the other. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, that's kind of where that's, I'm at with it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think another big kind of asterisk with this question is If you think that Kuminga and Jalen Green let me backtrack, Kuminga and Jalen Green were this in the G League. If you think that day one, Kuminga and Jalen Green are going to be that in the NBA, that's not how that's gonna work. You know, Mm. as great as those two guys are, and I think we all talk about how great we think Jalen Green can be and Kuminga as well, they are not going to play as well as they did in the G League in the NBA in day one. That is a I I guess a more of a long term question. But as far as Book Knight, it really comes down, like you said, Luke, to the question, can Book Knight be Jalen Green? And my answer to that is no. Like I am I am very high on Book Knight. I think he has a very high ceiling. You don't see that right now. You know, Jalen Green right now is far and away a better basketball player, if you ask me, than than Book Knight. But uh, you know, could he someday be as good as Jalen Green? Maybe. That's the biggest question mark there for me. So I yeah, I don't know. That's a big maybe for me. I'm, I'm just I'm a big Jalen Green guy. So, same
0: I will say yeah, that. So Kaminga and Jalen Green, they I think they showed flashes of having good chemistry together, you know, for the G League Ignite. But at the same time, it was mostly like a glorified audition, right. you know, for the NBA. So there were some times where it was like, okay, it's my turn to do this. Okay, Jay, yeah. it's it's Jalen's turn, and they kind of went back and forth. So I don't know that I want to see that. Uh, if you know Kaminga and Booknight are I mean, Kaminga and Jalen aren't going to end up on the Magic together. That would just be a crazy uh, turn of events to be you know, an all-time great draft for a team, in my opinion. But if we end up with Kaminga and Booknight, which it's very possible that we do, picking those guys at 5 and 8, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough question because, like Kevin said, they're not going to you know, be quite as good as they were in the G League and the NBA from day one. But can that duo be successful in the NBA eventually? I would say absolutely yes. Next up, we have Dylan Donut three eight six. Awesome username. This is where things are going to get heated. I think Barnes or Kaminga, and I'll ask Kevin.
2: First. Yeah, so I, I feel I need. I feel like I messed up earlier. I mistakenly <laughs> led with Scotty Barnes, and that initially made some people react, thinking I would pick Scotty Barnes over Kaminga. I would not. I do like Scotty Barnes. I think he has a very high ceiling. And the biggest difference I think between Kaminga and Barnes is the level at which they would contribute day one. I think Scotty Barnes day 1 is very good at some things that are very important right now in the NBA. He is a good defender, he has incredible athleticism, and he is a great distributor passer, you know, visionary of the of the basketball. I think day 1 Scotty Barnes is going to be better, but I would still take Kuminga because of the long term. Like we talked about the swing for the fences. I think his ceiling is probably higher, especially given what our roster is and what it needs. Because Scotty Barnes is—that's the other thing about Scotty Barnes—he's a ball handler. Like he loves to be on the ball, loves to run the run the offense, which I think he's good at. But we've also got other guys on our roster that are good at that as well. So I feel like I need to backtrack. I'm still taking Kaminga if he's there at five. So there's that.
1: Luke. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm taking Kaminga. I mean, we we you know Jonathan and I we we talked about it. Um, we were going over the draft prospects. To me, it's just b- between the two. I don't really think it's – I don't think it's close. I really don't. I think Kuminga is more of a project, I would say, but I just don't trust Barnes would develop a jump shot in any regard and who's to say that he's even going to really try to, but I think that he should, obviously. Um, There's just – Kuminga, man, like I've said as well, he turns the corner, it's get out of the way. Like, he is just a dude that jumps off the screen to me. He Barnes is great, obviously. And and could I could end up eating my words. Barnes could end up having a better career than Kuminga. That would not shock me at all because Kuminga has a longer way to go developmentally to me than Barnes does. Barnes' body is NBA-ready, all that stuff. But I'm just willing to take the chance on Kuminga. I think that he, if you're willing to do a project, Kuminga is the guy that you do it with. I don't think that you know, I just don't think it's worth to take it, you know, Barnes over Kaminga.
0: So in terms of, you know, Barnes versus Kaminga and just kind of what their potential are as prospects, like you mentioned, Kevin, like day one, Scotty Barnes is going to come in and he's going to be able to contribute because he does two things, in my opinion, really, really well. Defends at a high level and he's a great ball handler, especially in transition. Now, in terms of his prospects of, you know, creating space at the NBA level in the half court, you know, and being able to get to the rim on a consistent basis. That's really where it stops and starts for me with Scotty Barnes. I think Kuminga has got like the quicker first step. He's going to be the guy that as time goes on is going to be the guy that, you know, could be like the guy on a team. I don't, I just don't see Scotty Barnes ever getting to that as the primary ball handler. Like Kuminga, you know, they've got kind of similar body types, bigger guys, both pretty much NBA ready bodies. But Kaminga again, like in terms of in the half court, I just see him being the guy that is going to be able to develop into a guy just able to get his own shot basically whenever he wants. Scotty Barnes with the ball in his hands in the half court just doesn't seem as fluid as we saw flashes out of Kaminga. So I think we're pretty much in, in unison on that. And I'm sorry that I know the the someone that you mentioned at the beginning of your your take there, Kevin, was me. That, that <laughs> No, it's know, my fault. I led with them. him. It's, no, on no, no. it's on me. It's on me. And, Luke, is any of your uh, Kuminga over Barnes a little bit of your, your UF bias? I didn't want Jonathan Isaac, so we'll just say that. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's a yes. All right. There is bias, so but Skinny I still do Burn. think
1: Kuminga is better. No,
0: fair enough. Uh-huh. So, Skinny Burn, we've got an, another good username here. Uh, what free agents would you like to sign this off season to fill our roster? You're not filling much. I think, there we go. Luke kind of laid it out perfectly a few minutes ago. You're just gonna have so many spots accounted for on this roster. What instance, would I like to sign Kawhi Leonard? <laughs> That's not gonna happen. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, not to
2: mention we don't have a lot of money. That's the other thing. Yeah. That's the other thing. You know, you know, especially once we add in two top ten picks, you know, their salaries, there's not a lot of money to go around. So not only is there not a lot of spots, there's not a lot of money, we're not gonna see any any splashes, real splashes in free agency. I,
1: I think, and Jonathan, who would we talk about? Uh, you know, on an episode some time ago, um, talking about kind of shooters that were going to be free agents. Batum, you
0: mentioned Batum. Yeah.
1: So you know, there's guys that you can add. I'm not gonna. I wouldn't want to add a young guy. If anything, I just want veteran presence. I think if the Magic kind of shock the fan base and trade Mobamba on draft night or any time before the season starts. You could go after a vet who's just on the younger side for being called a vet. Cody Zeller. he He's a center who could come in and be an influence in the locker room. He's not, I mean, he's not bad. We're not asking him to be a superstar. I think he averaged like 11 a game this year. Um, he's six eleven. You know, you've got other options there as well. Uh, kind of looking at the free agency as part of centers go. Rashawn Holmes being one of them who I love, but Rashawn Holmes is a center and he's six ten. So, there's just you know question marks there as well but but regardless whoever you bring in needs to be a veteran needs to be somebody who's not going to expect to take up all the limelight i'm not asking dwight howard to come in here i'm not trying to get You know any of those guys like that? I relive the glory days. I am good. I have had enough nostalgia excitement in the last month of being a Magic fan with Penny Hardaway. I don't. I don't want to deal with Dwight, (laughs) but also not to mention the drama that would probably come with you know Dwight with the media and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think for me it's just got to be a veteran who's not going to bring up any drama for you. Uh, I don't want Ennis Canner. I know he's on that list too as a center. These are all hypotheticals if Mo Bamba were to get traded though.
2: Here's here's one for you. We just had a Mavericks coach leave Dallas, come to Orlando. The Mavericks have a center who's a free agent. Bobon.
0: Mm. Bobon. Bobon, oh come to God. Orlando. <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> Bring <laughs> back Toby, too. Yes. Can you imagine that? It would be so funny. But oh, my gosh. Bobon. That would just be hilarious. That would be, be a... the, the new Taco Fall Dude, that'd be in so Orlando. That'd be Instead so of fun. we want Taco, they'd be chanting we want Bobon oh, yeah. at games. No. The one guy that I've thought about that I really don't think we would have a shot at. But a guy that actually tweeted about the Jamal Mosley hire today, J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick is the kind of veteran that I think we're talking about that, I, I mean, I think at this point in his career, he's really just going to be ring chasing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had that long streak at the beginning of his career. It was like 14 years where he made the playoffs every single year that, you know, came to an end. But uh, I don't see that happening. But J.J. Redick is is a guy that I would absolutely love yeah. To have, uh, to have back on back Another Armin. Dallas guy, you know, not for long, but Another he was Dallas, Dallas
2: for a little bit this past year, you know.
0: Exactly. All right, Armin Hammer3 wants to know, how do you feel about drafting Suggs, and what would it mean for our current guard rotation? Luke. N- no. I don't oh, want boy. Suggs. You always got to be disrespectful. If he
2: falls to five,
0: I don't. If <laughs> he falls no. to five, you're taking Barnes over Suggs in that case then? Let me ask you that. Right. If Suggs is there at five. And Kaminga's gone. You know,
1: I said this, and I'm gonna stick with it. I said it months ago. I'm taking Barnes over Suggs. I don't care. Uh, I just don't disagree with I don't that. I don't want I I just don't
0: I don't see it. I don't want it. I don't You <laughs> hate the Seminoles that much. What and you're gonna, and, and take, I'm gonna Suggs? take I mean you're gonna take Barnes over Suggs? Yeah. I think so. Wow. Billy Donovan would be so, <laughs> so <laughs> disappointed. No, that's fine. I don't know. Uh, yeah,
2: I, I'm i not high on Suggs, you know, early in the draft. But if he falls to five, and it's also hard because, you know, then you've got him going up against Markel and Cole and Arjun. Like we've already talked about, you know, all four of those guys are going to occupy similar space as far as their game. Obviously, they're all very different. But at the end of the day, as of right now, they're all ball handlers and blah, 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 blah. That's, that'd be hard to pass up if he's there at five. He's not going to be there at five. I just can't see that happening. But if he's there at five, I mean – do I think he's got a higher ceiling than some of those guys that we just mentioned? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be hard to pass up with him on five.
0: Yeah, I think the the – I'm glad that Armand Hammer 3 mentioned this. What would it mean for our current guard rotation? Because right. that's my whole thing. Right. Like, if you if you didn't have one of the three, if you didn't have Markel or Cole or RJ, like, whoever you want to pick, that's fine. If we only had two of those guys, I'd be like, okay, I'm all for it. But what it would mean for the current guard rotation – now, can those guys play together? Sure. Like, can Suggs play with Markel or with Cole or with RJ? Absolutely. But all four of those guys, and at some point you're going to have to pay everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't see the front office kind of, like, moving in that direction. I would have a hard time passing up Suggs at five. Um, hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully, it, if we're staying at five, sounds hope, like you, I'm hoping. Sounds like you don't want Suggs at five. I don't want Suggs <laughs> at 5 cuz I want Kuminga at 5. Yeah. But if it's if it's Suggs or Barnes, I'm still going to go Suggs and I'll figure out the rest later yep. in my opinion. Yep. That's right. I, I
1: don't know. I know. think with Suggs man, he is he's been primarily a point guard. And that is the position I am most confident in with the Magic right now. And I just don't I don't I don't want to do that. That's I don't fair. I don't want to bring in Suggs just to be a permanent one and that's the only place he can fit. So you know Marel goes to the two where Marquette like you know in situations where Markel goes to the two I just
2: don't want to do I don't want to deal with that here's here's what would happen though in my mind if Suggs is somehow miraculously there at five that's when the magic trade down that's what happens because there is going to be another team that would want Suggs yeah. that does need yeah. a guard and that's an opportunity to grab an extra you know late round pick or whatever something like that I just yeah right. I, it's hard to imagine him being at, there at five
0: and hard to imagine the magic take the magic taking him at five but you never know. Okay, with that caveat, I would be okay with trading down and taking Scotty Barnes at like six or seven, if that's yeah. feasible. Depending on what you get back for moving right. down, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Up next, Beats by Trey wants to know: Do you think Ross will still be on the team after the draft? So I'm going to head this one off. So Kevin sent Luke and I a clip <laughs> earlier that we've now posted to the social media accounts of Terrence Ross streaming on his Twitch channel. And Kevin, I believe you asked him the question. Actually, this time felt. it wasn't me. I asked him a couple days ago, Kevin. but someone else asked it. Yeah. It was someone else how he felt about the Mosley hire. He said he was excited, he did not seem <laughs> excited. So, and other people have commented on that. But, Kevin, do you think Ross is still on the, the team after draft night? Draft
2: night, yeah. I don't, well, I mean, I don't know. If if we do nobody, find a nobody way, nobody
1: knows. To, Nobody knows anything. That's, that's true. true. That's the that's true, true answer.
2: Nobody knows. But if you're yeah. asking my guess, you know, right. if, if we find a way to move up, maybe he's a part of a deal like that. But outside of that, I, I have a hard time seeing a deal happening for Terrence before the draft. Now, I think maybe later that's entirely possible. Um, but before the draft or during the draft, unless it's some move to move up, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to see that. I don't,
1: I don't think that Terrence Ross would be kept around to be a veteran. I don't, I don't, I don't think that he fits that mold of veteran leader. I really don't. Uh, I think he would be kept around for his incredible ability to catch fire and give the team a spark off the bench, which he did so many times for us last year and the year before, that does prove valuable. But right. there's a, there are some people that I I mentioned this a while ago, but I've heard it been brought up since is. Is Gary Harris or Moses Moody going to be the new Terrence Ross in terms of provides a? Well, I said that about Moses Moody. I said you (laughs) give me some credit. I said that about Moses Moody. So you said that, but I also have seen it elsewhere as well. There's talk. (laughs) They
0: heard it from me, right? And they stole my (laughs) tape. Yes. Uh, Yeah.
1: So that's my whole thing, though. I don't think Terrence Ross is going to be kept around because the Magic need look around. They're like, we need veterans on this team. I think if you're looking at a veteran voice, you're take, you're putting you're keeping James Ennis instead of Terrence Ross in terms of like who is more of a leader in that veteran stereotypical role.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say or Michael Carter Williams too. You know, similar in that vein.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as leadership goes, yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, that that's where I'm at. I don't, I don't. And so I guess I didn't really answer the question of do I think he'll be there on draft night. I don't know. I mean, to, to you know where I, what I jumped in, what Kevin was saying was like, we don't know how draft night's going to go. We don't know how far the front office is willing to go to get the guy they want. This is a that we we've said it a thousand times. This is a stubborn group, the front office and the people in the front office. A, they're not going to take a deal that they. You're, I just really don't. And hopefully, knock on wood here, but. You're never going to see a trade deal and be like the Magic got fleeced. I don't think because they sold out for the guy that they wanted. That's not going to happen, but in the same respect, and why, you know, so many people I know Jonathan included are of the belief that the Magic are going to trade up on draft night. I saw people t- talking about it on Twitter today. They're like, I'm not even scouting these guys, you know, outside of the top 4 because I'm so convinced the Magic are going to trade up in the draft. That's a, it's a fair point it's a fair point if the magic can do it they're gonna do it because in the same way they are reluctant to you know trade people for you know to for it to not look like they got fleeced and whatnot I think it's in the same vein that like they're going to do what they have to to get the guy that they are sold on and and that's a reason I think Terrence Ross could be part of a trade deal who's to say he's not but in my opinion I don't think He will be traded on draft night, but I have not. You told me, if you tell me now, like, you can see the future and Terrence Ross is not on the roster come, you know, after the draft, I'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm not really shocked, honestly.
2: Yeah, and I think another thing you just mentioned, this is the first time this front office, as stubborn as they've been and all those things you just mentioned, which is totally right, this is the first time the front office has had an arsenal of, of, uh, you know, you know, chips that they can throw in right here as far as like all the draft picks they acquired over the the trade deadline. The young guys that we have right, of course. But they're not they're just like us. They know that there's too many too many people to sit at the table. If you think about the young guys we have now, the young guys we're gonna draft this year, the young guys we're gonna draft next year, the young guys on and on and on, all these picks, it doesn't add up. And so they know that at some point You know, they're going to have to package all this stuff together for something, whether it's to move up in the draft or something, whether it's to do a, you know, a deal, you know, this year, next year for some superstar to bring in and really solidify and, and move the team up to the next level, whatever it is. This is the first time this front office has had this many assets that they could use in a potential move
0: like that. So I think it's possible. So I am going to say, yes, I'm fairly certain that Terrence is still going to be on the team after the draft because of the fact that, again, it's a lot's going to play into who we draft and if the opportunity is there to move up and you have to include Terrence Ross in that deal, of course you do it, especially if it means getting a guy like Jalen Green who plays a similar position and similar role to what Terrence Ross is going to do. That being said, if you end up with Barnes and or Kaminga and Moses Moody or James Booknight, right, I still think it's... It, would behoove the Magic to keep Terrence Ross in the role that he's going to, you know, everyone knows he's going to be the sixth man, the flamethrower off of the bench. Points are going to have to come from somewhere on this team. Even though the the goal is player development, it is still a goal to be competitive and win games. Player development only goes so far uh, until you know, you're not building winning habits, and we saw that in the Rob Hennigan era. With that being said, once Markel Fultz comes back in January, at that point, in my opinion, Terrence Ross is totally expendable. He's going to want to play for a contender. Contenders are going to be looking to acquire a guy like Terrence Ross at the deadline. It happens every year. And then at the trade deadline, maybe that's when you're able to move on from a guy like Terrence Ross. Yeah, and especially because his, his contract
2: is very tradable. You know, this year very I think he makes 12.5 and, like,
0: and it right. declines the following year. So, yeah, yeah I very think tradable. still 13 this year, and then – it's like 12.5 the following year, 12.5 and then 11. But you're right. It's going to continue to get cheaper, so it's not going to be a hard uh, hard contract to move by any means. Cole Chuma wants to know, what happens if we draft Keon Johnson? So I want to say this. I don't think there's any chance the Magic draft Keon Johnson at 5. Mm, so no in this hypothetical scenario, we are assuming that they're drafting Keon Johnson at 8. And with some of the other... Candidates, I guess, at that pick, Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kaminga. In my opinion, it doesn't make a lot of sense to then trade. I mean, draft Keon Johnson at eight. Now, maybe if you're telling me the Magic takes Suggs at five, then maybe Keon Johnson makes sense at eight. But I don't know, Luke. What do you think? I mean, I've said it. Like the the dude is he
1: jumps out. If you watch Keon Johnson tape defensively, he absolutely jumps out. Uh, The notes that I made on our episode a while ago was incredible defender can finish well and does possess scoring upside Uh, Averaged 11 a game 1.1 steals. His lateral quickness is off the charts. Uh, He's an athlete. There's so many, so many, so many clips of Keon Johnson defensively getting, beating the guy to the spot after he's already been beat, cutting him off, making him, you know, force a bad shot, those types of things, force a turnover. He is, a, he is one of those guys that, you know, Mosley, being a defensive guy, would love a, a Keon John, Johnson. Um, that being said, I don't know if I'm there, you know, offensively with Keon Johnson, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it at eight. But if, if, if Moody is on the board and the Magic Select Keon Johnson, my TV is going right through the window. So <laughs> that's how that would play out. Because I am, I do love Moses Moody at 8 that much, and I'm so convinced of him, which means the Magic aren't going to take him. Uh, so, uh, But, yeah, I, I don't hate Keon Johnson at all. I think that I, I'm going to be rooting for Keon Johnson. I mean, he he's a guy who hustles and, and does all the right things. So, a uh, big fan of Keon Johnson. Just don't know if I think the Magic would take him.
2: Yeah, I think for me, there's three guys that occupy a similar role, similar position, who could be there at eight it's moody it's book night and it's uh johnson and for me he's at the bottom of the list you know so i think of all th- to me if if all three of those guys are available um i think luke hit it on the head great defensively um but you know with the offensive potential of those other two guys mm-hmm. they would they would they would be over johnson to me so i would be surprised if that happened but um that's just, that's just me personally i'd take the other two guys and I'm uh,
0: I'm taking Shen Goon over uh, oh Keon gosh. Johnson. Just <laughs> just throwing that out there. All right, Ricky wants to know what do you guys think the odds are of Daryl Armstrong coming back to Orlando as an assistant under Jamal Mosley? Yeah, I'd say
2: it's impossible to have odds, right? You know, but uh, I would love it. You know, percentage think, chance, right? Oh, gosh, I mean that's hard to say. He hasn't he hasn't gone with Rick Carlisle yet, at least not as of this recording. You know, he didn't follow Rick Carlisle to Indiana, so that's. You know, potentially a good sign that he might be looking looking for something else. But I don't know, 50-50, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's really hard to put a number on. I don't know how close they were as far as their relationship and working relationship, but I think, I don't know any Magic fan that wouldn't love to see Daryl Armstrong on the bench.
1: Yeah, I think with with him, I mean, how long has he been in, in, in Dallas? A long, time. A, a long time. A long time. I think right?
2: he was there when they won in 2011. I think he so, was like oh nine or
1: 2010 he, he got right. there. So, yeah. I mean, he's been there a long time. Maybe this is a guy who just likes where he's at. And Jonathan and I, when we talked about it, you know, what are the chances, like, Daryl Armstrong just gets thrown a bone and gets an interview, you know? But my thing with him was he's been there so long in the same spot. I either think, A, he loves it there and is just never going to leave and he's cool with being an assistant. He's lived out glory days on the big stage with being with Orlando and whatnot, but, like, Maybe that's the case. Or B, do you have do we have our reservations about Daryl Armstrong as a coach because he hasn't really he hasn't left. He hasn't got there's I've never heard his name in coaching interviews. I've there's just not much out there about Daryl Armstrong the coach to me. I'm sure there's tons of stories of players that love him and obviously he's a good coach because he's been there forever, but there are some like little red flags about Daryl Armstrong but not to the point where I wouldn't welcome him as an assistant coach. He's been in the league long enough. He knows the ropes and Jamal Mosley knows him. If Jamal Mosley you know, knows him well enough and there is a good enough rapport and he loves him as much as
0: Luka Doncic loves Jamal Mosley, then maybe we see Daryl Armstrong on the sideline, but I, I really don't know. I would say the chances are very low, and I'm only saying that because when this question got brought up to us, I went and searched to see what people in Dallas are saying about Daryl Armstrong. And I've read a couple of reports about the fact that the Mavericks want to keep some level of continuity with the new coaching staff, and Daryl Armstrong is one of the leading candidates of the assistants that would stick around. So because people in Dallas are saying that, and they have a much better handle on that situation than we do, Mm. I'm going to say the odds are pretty low. With that being said, I would love to see the original flash (laughs) back in Orlando as an assistant coach under Jamal Mosley. Orlando Magic Hall of Famer on the coaching staff, like, it doesn't get any better than that. that would be so fun. All right, the last question that we have is from Brock Magic Two. He wants us to rank these players in order of star <laughs> potential, and to me, this is this is one of the toughest questions that we've had. Yeah. I think it's a really good question. Jonathan Isaac, Chuma Okiki, Jonathan Kuminga, or Scotty Barnes? I hate this question because
2: it's so I hate this question tough. Too. I've been dreading this one ever since we saw this it, is,
0: it. With me, before we get into this, I want to say we are like literally splitting hairs. When it comes to a lot of these guys, because my opinion, I'm going to go ahead and people are going to call me a Homer or whatever. That's fine. I'm going to put Jonathan Isaac number one because of the fact, and obviously the health is the biggest question with this. And we all know that, but star potential. We already know that Jonathan Isaac is elite at something in the NBA, Jonathan Isaac. I don't care. Anybody can come to a conversation with me. Jonathan Isaac is a top five defender in the NBA when he's healthy. Right. So in my opinion, we already know that's what we're getting out of him. Jonathan Isaac ever becomes a 17 18 point per game scorer, the kid's going to be an all-star. It's just as simple as that in my opinion. I keep saying that phrase so much and I'm trying to like bring that back. Of course, my opinion is what I'm saying. But so apart from that it comes down to Chuma Jonathan Kaminga, and Scotty Barnes for me. Chuma Okiki I think has the potential to be really good. Uh people are comparing him. We've heard Terrence Ross and Jonathan Isaac have both compared Chuma Okiki to Kawhi Leonard. Do I think Chuma is going to be Kawhi Leonard? No, because we just haven't seen many guys that are been Kawhi Leonard, right? So I would probably say Jonathan Kaminga would be number two for me, just because there's a lot of question marks. He's a guy that has a lot of upside, but there's so many things that we don't know about him. But if we're talking about Jonathan Kaminga versus Scotty Barnes and star potential, we've all already said that we would rather have Jonathan Kaminga. So obviously we think he's got more star potential than Scotty Barnes does. Yeah. So the question I, comes down to Chumo Kiki versus Scotty Barnes and I don't really know how I feel about that. What do you guys think? I, I was gonna say
2: I was until you just said that. I thought maybe we might all agree that Jonathan Isaac's at the top and Scotty Barnes at the bottom and it's the middle two that we're deciding. But it sounds like you might be might be deciding between O'Kiki and Barnes. For me, yeah. Jonathan Isaac's at the Jonathan Isaac's at the top for everything you just mentioned. And uh, because especially because we have seen flashes of an offensive game I was in the building in Indiana when he had his career high 26 27 whatever it was he looked incredible he was so good and that night I was like oh my gosh this is happening we've got our Kevin okay not Kevin Durant but you know what I'm saying (laughs) uh he was he was great but so yeah he's he's at number one for me and it's hard with Kaminga and Barnes because we've never seen him play in the NBA, but also because we've seen them play in two very different places, right? We've seen Camingo play in the G League. We've seen Scotty Barnes play uh, for the mighty Florida State Seminoles, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But also, Florida State is known to be, um, you know, Leonard Hamilton is known to spread the wealth. Like, the guys at Florida State right now, they don't play a lot. Um, Barnes came because... off the bench, didn't he? Exactly. He came off the bench, right. And so, despite being a top-level recruit and now being a top-level uh, potential draft pick, he came off the bench, but that's just the structure there. So it's hard to judge those guys, but yeah, if I were to do it, just rapid fire, I'd go Jonathan Isaac. I go Kaminga. I go Okiki, and I go Scotty Barnes. It's, it could be totally backwards. It might be totally backwards, but just based on what I've seen so far, that's my order.
1: So I'm doing, I'm my list is, is for two reasons. I think there's a genuine possibility that this is the truth. Also, I'm being contrarian <laughs> <laughs> shocker. I know, uh, <laughs> Number one, uh, I have Jonathan Kuminga. Uh, I just think that he's so young, man. Like he's what eighteen? He's not even nineteen yet, and he just was averaging seventeen and eight amongst you know dudes that have seen it all in the NBA, guys trying to fight for their spot. Like in one of the most like dog eat dog worlds that there are in the G League, because there's so many different careers and walks of life there. He was averaging seventeen and eight as an eighteen year old, and I don't think enough people really have. Taken a step back to realize how insane that is. Um, it's the first year that it happened. He's the you know one of the first you know guy. He's the a part of the uh, you know inaugural group of people that you know are playing in the G League at age eighteen. And there was we didn't know how it was going to go. And just the fact that like Kuminga showed as many flashes as he was to be that guy, being in the spotlight for those whatever it was. You know, I don't even know thirteen games or something like that in the G League. So there is. A lot that could happen with Kuminga. He's like I said, he's 18. He his birthday's in October. Like th- he is going to be starting the season like just fresh, right? Like he he is so raw, and we've said it a thousand times. So that's my reason. Is we just don't know, and I think the really the question marks are what's making me put Kuminga one. But and that's what makes this question so difficult. Because they're so th- these players are in so many different parts of their career. Chuma just played his first season with the Magic. Ji is way more established than all of those dudes probably combined. So it's hard not to put Ji one, but in, in in this respect, like it, I think I'm going
0: Kuminga, Ji, Chuma, and Scotty Barnes. Well, so the thing that I'll say, and I, I guess this isn't totally fair to introduce to this conversation because we're talking about star potential. But I would say that Jonathan Kaminga, like, if we're talking about who has the, like, both ends of the spectrum, who could be the best, but who also has the lowest floor, like, you could argue that Jonathan Kaminga has the lowest floor. And we know what Jonathan Isaac and Chuma Okiki, what their floor is, right? So, um, no, I think you both made great points. I think I'm going to go Jonathan Isaac, Jonathan Kaminga, Chuma, and then Scotty. Um, again, I think Scotty can be really good, but I think. The half court offense probably will always be a challenge for him, and we saw some real flashes of Chuma, you know, in the half court. Yes. Like you mentioned, Kevin, it's tough to really gauge Scotty Barnes and some of those guys coming out of Florida State because it is such a spread. The wealth; nobody's really going to be the star on this team. We're going to move the ball around. Everybody's going to get a chance to eat. So, Scotty Barnes, it's very possible that he's going to come out, and, you know, and kind of you know show us some things that he didn't show at FSU. I don't know if you guys have watched this yet but obviously we know Corey Kispert worked out for the Orlando Magic this week Moses Moody did Scotty Barnes did did you guys watch the Scotty Barnes kind of media availability after that when they asked him how you think that you did I didn't I didn't get the sense that he was overly confident that he did really well on that workout did you guys watch that video and, and do you have an opinion one way or the other I haven't seen it yet now I gotta go back and watch that you guys go watch that, and then you let me know what you think. It might just be his personality. That's very, very possible. But just his his body language and the way that he talked about the, the workout, I didn't get the sense that it went really, really well. So, But, but we'll see. But um, anything that you guys want to add to this conversation before we go ahead and wrap up?
2: Whew, that was a lot. I say definitely thanks for sending in those questions. I mean, you know, I know we've gone on for a really long time, but there's a lot of really good stuff in there. I think the overarching theme, though, is there's just a lot of just unknowns. You know, obviously over the next few weeks, we'll have some of those answered through the draft and through you know, some of the assistant coaches that, that might come on board. But there's a lot of unknowns about this team, but that's part of what makes it fun, you know. A, who knows how this this could go? It could go a lot of different directions.
1: Yeah, I think that there's, uh, <laughs> there's so much that, that got unpacked that – this is going to be one of those episodes that you know i do this a lot already and that is like referring to old episodes that that we've done and that i've mentioned things and jonathan's the conversations we've had this is going to be one of those episodes that maybe months from now i'm still saying hey you remember that mailbag episode that we did a long time ago one either we look like geniuses because of this take or we look like complete idiots the more likely one yeah yes second yes (laughs) yes, because you know Terrence Ross is still on the roster Mo Bomba looks better than Wendell Carter like (laughs) there's so much stuff that could be happening a few months from now that just makes that makes this episode almost unavoidable to to highlight because there were so many good questions so yeah thank you guys for for sending those in Um, I mean we filled a whole episode with your questions and they they were good ones and specifically who was the one uh which one of you was the one that asked that last question Brock Magic 2 shout out to Brock Magic 2 that's a great question and something that we were able to kind of deliberate over uh and was something that was you know we all had kind of different answers in our own respects so it was good
0: so something i wanted to bring up before we go ahead and wrap up here is kind of the theme of this week's episode was getting you guys more involved the people that are watching the people that are listening more involved we bat around a couple of ideas before we settled on the mailbag, and then we put out a video you know, on our social media, really trying to feel the, you know, get a, get a feel for the room and what you guys thought. So one of our goals moving forward is going to be to get you guys more involved with the podcast, with the YouTube videos, everything like that. The way that we figured out how to do that, however, requires whoever is going to be essentially calling into the show. You have to be on either a laptop or a PC, And you have to be using Google Chrome to do so. It's basically going to be like a call-in feature to this six-man show. It can be either video or audio. So make sure that you guys are on the lookout for that. I think me, Kevin, Luke, we're going to work together and kind of brainstorm a little bit more about what that's going to look like over the coming weeks. But um, if you guys don't follow us on social, first of all, go ahead and do that. Um, But just for the listeners, again, that aren't on those platforms, we want to let you guys know that that is going to be a possibility in the future. Uh, We got a lot of great feedback on that, kind of overwhelmingly so. So we're definitely going to be doing that in the future. So make sure that you guys stay tuned for more details on that. Apart from that, one more time, just wanted to remind you guys about the draft watch party that we're putting together. So July 29th, Thursday, from 5 o'clock to 645, we'll be at Harry Buffalo, downtown Orlando. I'll be there. Kevin will be there. If there is some miraculous stroke of luck, maybe Luke will be there, but it doesn't seem likely. Again, he is all the way in Omaha, but we'll definitely miss him if he's not able to make it. But, again, 5 o'clock to 645 at Harry Buffalo. 645, we'll walk over to Amway, and then we'll all go inside, and we're going to do our best to sit together, and hopefully there's a, a very exciting uh, draft and, that night. And be for sure to Oklahoma buy your Magic. tickets. Buy your tickets right now. If you're going to go to the draft well, party. Well, they're free, so you don't even well, have Well, yeah, to you got Yeah, sorry. You we're just got go to get your website.
2: tickets. Secure your yeah. tickets.
0: OrlandoMagic.com. Yeah. You guys can get your free draft party tickets. Make sure you do that because you can come hang out with us at Harry Buffalo. But if you don't have the ticket to get in the Amway, we're going to leave you outside. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you guys. So. But anyways, guys, thank you guys for the mailbag. Thank you for all the questions. Thank you guys for listening and all the support over the last few weeks. Again, follow us all over the place. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Huge, huge, huge help. Uh, But anyways, for Kevin and Luke, this has been Jonathan. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Six Man Show, and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!